This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. He was uh, here just uh, yesterday. He's getting uh, familiar with everything uh, around the club. Um, today he will have his first training session. So everything uh, has to come really quickly for him. We knew that uh, before we signed him, but uh, his feet is very willing to, to start playing. And I've seen the, the bus around uh, the place. I think the fans are really happy. I've seen uh, some really positive reactions after we brought him. The same with the team, the same with the squad and the staff. I think it's a player that we have the Raider on for a long time. We have managed to, to bring him in, and I think it's going to be a really important addition to the team. Yes, because when it's up to the last, minutes uh, it's always a risk a lot of things have to happen uh, at the same time and, and obviously it's a lot of paperwork to do um, it was a challenge to do it in 24 hours but uh, I'm really happy because uh, at the end uh, we managed it. On the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9 Arsenal midfielder Thomas Partey has brought a buzz around the club, according to his manager, Mikel Arteta. Oh yeah, the Arsenal take on Man City this weekend as the Premier League returns. Woohoo! On the ball with me, Ross, on a Friday evening and the boys, Bob Holmes is here. Hello, Bob. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. Craig Marias is also here. What's up, Craig? Hi, guys. How are you doing? And Kishnan also joins us. Hello, Kish. Are we ready to watch Harry Maguire this weekend, Ross? <laughs> <laughs> he says that, and we're all cringing in unison. <laughs> Tweet at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Coming up then, full preview of Match Week 5. But first, we, we get rid of all the Midweek Nations League. And we have to start with... Group A2, where England lost at home to Denmark 1-0. The Harry Maguire show, as Keish alluded to. Uh, Bob Holmes, 31 minutes, the Manchester United captain lasted. He's, his mis- miserable start to the season continues. Uh, yeah, it gets worse. Um, I mean, I think the idea of playing him was in the hope that he can play himself back into some kind of form and thereby get rid of the cloud that's hanging over him. But of course, uh, it went, to, got worse, didn't it? Uh, and he clearly looks uh, absolutely uh, beaten by this thing. Uh, I mean, there's another court case coming up a long way away next year sometime. And I think most people would have thought that he would have you know, been able to put that at the, that at the back of his mind. But no. It does seem to be affecting his play. He was rubbish before he got booked. He was rubbish after he got booked. And then he got the inevitable red card. I mean, you could argue about it at that particular point, but he was on his way to a red card, I think. The way he was playing, the way he was mistiming lunges. And these days, you can't get away with a lunge. I mean, to me, he looks like a guy who could do with a holiday on a Greek island or something. (laughs) (laughs) Especially a Greek island. But Craig, I mean, joking aside, his workload is pretty severe. Uh, I mean, last season, he played in every single Carabao Cup round, if I remember. He also played all the Europa Leagues, all the internationals, all the league games. I mean, he's not a machine, is he? Yeah, he's played a lot of football since he's joined Man United. And I think uh, this is where Solskjaer and the, the coaching staff 
um, have to come under a little bit of criticism as well. Um, forget what happened in the summer. Uh, and when we look at last season, you know, um, I, I don't think any player, uh, regardless of which position you play, whether it's in goal or, you know, at centre-back, where, you know, there's not exactly the same amount of running uh, if you are in, you know, other positions on the pitch. Um, but it still takes a toll on you mentally, uh, these games, you know, um, especially you're talking about Europa League, you're talking about Carabao Cup. I mean, the, the concentration levels itself um, mentally uh, take a toll on you. And, and you know, there's the argument of him being mentally fatigued, but ultimately, I mean, it's a contribution of a, uh, a few things. Um, one being that, and the other being what's happened over the summer. And mm. let's not forget, you know, there wasn't too much of a, a summer break, um, if you want to call it, uh, for for someone like him. And um, it was a couple of weeks off. And in that couple of weeks, the ordeal that he had to go through um, to kind of, you know, you know, those nights in jail, I think it was three or four nights in jail. Um, um, Not you know, five stars. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, no, uh, go through the whole case, um, through the media, um, you know, a lot of things, even when he got back to England, you know, he mm. still had to face the media. Um, and, you know, you know, if we take his word for it and, you know, believe in what he says, what actually happened, you know, that's a lot for someone, an individual to go through not to add to the fact that he's got the responsibility of the club on his shoulders. And um, country. A club the size of Man United, yeah. Mm. And, and then follow that up with, with the country. So I think this is somewhere where, um, you know, the club bosses, yes, Southgate did leave him out, but, you know, he did pick him first and then he was forced to drop him initially um, uh, during the first round of internationals. Okay. Uh, and then the second round of, inter uh, you know, and then it comes back to the club and Ole's played him for every game um, and then he gets picked again for the second round of internationals. So, you know, it hasn't really helped him. I, I do think, you know, to somewhat, I think I do agree with Bob in, in the fact that he does need a holiday or a break from football. Uh, but yeah, just winning Manchester will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. M Maguire, Maguire aside, Keish, England. He, he can't go that wrong in the northern corner. <laughs> <laughs> England were poor in the game, Keish. Harry Kane was was blunt. I mean, you, you look at the Reese James probably stood out and he got red carded after the final whistle. Yeah. But, you, you know, um, there wasn't a lot going for, for England. And, and as far as the Nations League goes, they, England now go down to third. Only the top team qualifies, of course. Yeah, I, I have a bit of a problem with the way uh, Gareth Southgate has been utilising some players. Uh, I, I, I really don't know. Like, I saw this tweet um, you know, Jack Grealish's third English cap would probably come in like 2027 or something. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's like he, he needs to be given a chance, one thing. But I'm also a bit baffled by the way Southgate utilizes certain players in, in certain positions. For example, like I, I don't get Declan Rice. Declan Rice looks absolutely terrific for West Ham. But when he comes out and plays for England, it, it almost feels like he's he, he, there was a portion of the match where I was just watching him where he just, he makes the pass, he stands in the same place and he's just pointing, you know, his arms around and, and, and it, trying to it's direct also, play. It's also really negative with, with if you've got Declan Rice and Henderson, I think it sends out a really, you know, you've got two sitting midfielders. It's yeah, the same problem and, Solskjaer has at Man United. <laughs> why he plays I two mean, holding midfielders every that, game. Declan but, yeah. Rice and, and Henderson or Declan Rice and, and, and Calvin Phillips as well in certain games, yeah, which is yeah. like completely counterproductive because both of these individuals, when they play for their respective clubs, they operate as the single anchor 
And when you put them both together, it almost looks like in certain points of the game where they're not exactly sure what they're supposed to do. Because in a system like that, when you're playing against Denmark, someone need, needs to push up a mm. little bit more. And, and Declan Rice doesn't do that. He makes the pass, stands in the same place and doesn't necessarily help the attack. Kelvin Phillips is not a box-to-box player. He's a, yeah. he's a pivot. So I, I really don't get what 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 uh, Southgate is trying to do with, with, with both of them within the team. And, and, and I think it, it definitely is hurting England. Well, Belgium take control of the group. They won 2-1 away at Iceland. Romelu Lukaku with a brace. Now takes him to 55 goals for Belgium. That's prolific status already. Uh, in Group A1, Italy won, Netherlands won. Uh, the Dutch finally score a goal, Bob, under Frank de Boer after 323 minutes. And it was, but they uh, haven't won yet. But they haven't <laughs> won yet. But, I mean, signs of improvement. Yeah, um, yeah. I was slightly surprised to uh, to see that score. Actually, um, I I thought Italy would uh, would win it. So there is life. Uh, he will be heartened by that, Frank de Boer and the whole Dutch team, um, because they seem to have stalled once uh, Ronald Koeman took the Barcelona job. Uh, it seemed to precipitate a uh, a slowdown in the Dutch development somehow. Uh, results went awry, but uh, that draw, it might just settle them. Mm. Uh, they'll take some confidence from it. And I don't think Italy will be too upset either because they're undefeated now for over a year, I think, under yeah. Mancini. So they're doing okay. Um, yeah, Dutch, uh, I mean, uh, you've got to say, um, Donny van der Beek uh, again. Um, I think United did get a bargain there. Uh, let's, I mean, with, we've given Ed Woodward and the hierarchy a lot of criticism in our time. But I think credit where credit is due, I think 40 million for Van der Beek, it was a, a bargain. I think, you know, his uh, versatility is such that we haven't quite seen his best position. Um, I, I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure he, know, he knows where mm. it is. But it's not bad to have a guy of that class and who can pop in the goals uh, on your books at this point because he, he can fill in just about anywhere. He's the best man United midfielder in the Carabao Cup, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right. you, you don't know where he's going to pop up next uh, no. given the state of United right now. Though, I tell you? you what, United fans would love to see him get a full debut this weekend and we're already four games in or five. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, France won away at Croatia in Group A3. Kylian Mbappe scored the winner for France. Um, Griezmann scored as well. Pogba, Craig Marais, played quite yeah. well. Um, every time there's an international break, you read stuff about Paul Pogba saying, oh, I would love to play for Barca. I always dream of Madrid, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm, I'm sure most United fans find it really, really annoying. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, it's never nice to see any one of your players, you know, uh, saying he'd like to uh, not not so much leave the club, but join another. I mean, we, we've, we've been through this before. I think footballers will always be put in a spot. But he plays, um, plays well for France, though, doesn't he? He does. He does. Um, I think you saw it with the winner, um, the ball out wide. Um, and I think it's to Luca Dino. And... You know, all the play, the French players, you know, went to him to to applaud the ball or kind of celebrate the goal with him um, after Dini laid it off to Kylian Mbappe. 
Um, so, I mean, there's, there's, there's never any doubt about the talent. It's about the consistency um, and, you know, how often he can do it. Is it, you know, once every 10 games is, is not good enough at league, but at international, you know, it's, it's you know, a couple of games or, you know, one good pass and, and you're a hero. So um, let's not forget, you know, even when he played for France in the World Cup, he was still slated uh, by, by certain sections of the media. So he's an easy target, uh, that's for sure. Um, but but just going back to France, you know, they're absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, the depth in that squad is, is just scary. You know, we've seen it over the, over the international break the last two weeks, um, how they've rotated that squad, how they brought, you know, fresh faces in and who they produced straight away. Um, and, and, I, and I just think, you know, it's going to take, you know, something special to really stop them at, at um, the Euros next year if it goes ahead. Um, yeah, this was a replay of the World Cup final. Yeah. Um, I, th- I thought Antoine Griezmann's goal was absolutely out of this world. Yep. The finish was was sublime. Um, and, you know, he came out after and he said, well, Didier Deschamps knows where to play me. Um, maybe Anthony a little Michel bit Michel should have scored, shouldn't he? He should have. Uh, <laughs> well, Kylian Mbappe should have scored yeah. as well the, when, yeah. when uh, Anthony Martial set him up. Um, but he did end up going and score the winner, Kylian Mbappe. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, it's just it's just such a beautiful sight to watch play, you know, when... And once they really get into that final third of the pitch, it's just excitement all run. Whether it's Griezmann, Martial, uh, Mbappe, you know, all, all attacking at you. You know, you can't help but sit back and, and just say, "Look, no, I'm going to enjoy this." Um, so yeah, um, I think Croatia uh, gave a pretty good account of themselves as well. Good goal by uh, Blasic, I think it was. Mm. Uh, really good finish. But yeah, like I said, you know, France are, are slowly stepping up, and um, if, if the Euros goes ahead next year. It's going to take something very, very special to to stop them. Although there is a team that I do want to mention that I think uh, might be hitting good form in time for for next year, uh, and that's Portugal. Yep, I was just moving on to them. Uh, in the same group as well, in A3, Portugal won 3-0 at Sweden. Uh, minus Cristiano Ronaldo, Liverpool's Diogo Jota scoring a brace. They are banging form as well, but... Let's wrap up with Germany. I'll look at the Euros, Kish. Uh, they drew 3-3 with Switzerland. Um, the Germans, it's weird to say. I mean, they're always a force, but soft centre these days. They've been conceding a lot of goals. Yeah, I was about to just mention that, Ross. I think it's six goals in four games now in the Nations League. It's very uncharacteristic of the Germans. They usually keep it really, really tight at the back. Uh, but, but they almost look like a site that has so much of flair up front right now. But they're just struggling to sort of keep it at the back. I know, uh, you know, Joachim Lowe is, is is sort of experimenting with his teams. He's 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 calling up certain players that he hasn't called up before. He's trying to trying to experiment and, and try to find an, a, an opportunity to give the other players a chance to figure out his best starting eleven ahead of the European Championship. Um, but still, it's it's still very uncharacteristic of the Germans to concede a lot at the back. Uh, I feel like. They're still reeling from the effects of the 2018 World Cup. What happened there? <laughs> yeah. they're, they're in recovery mode, definitely. I think uh, you know certain players stepping up. I've loved watching Timo Werner in the last few games for Germany. Kai Havertz look is starting to yeah. perform at a, at a consistent level as well for the German national team. But um, there's still that bit of uncertainty. Usually, when you watch Germany play, you're, you're almost certain of of, of a very con- convincing performance but these days you go into German games and you're just kind of like what am I going to get at the back today am I you know, mm, am I going to mm. watch them concede goals and and that's exactly what I got um, watching this 
Germany, Switzerland game. It was an entertaining game, though. Don't get me wrong. Three <laughs> three, it's, it's it's always fun, uh, but but just slightly uncharacteristic of the Germans uh, to 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 the thing that much in the back. Yeah, the thing that I get when I watch the Germans and and now the Spanish, you know, um, they they look like teams in transition. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is this is them right now. And I think if the Euros happened, you know, earlier this year, you know, I think both teams would have probably struggled. But now, now they've got an extra year to to kind of blend in, you know, yeah. your Kai Havertz and, and and younger players, Klosterman and, and and players like that into the squad. Um, and we saw, you know, you know, a few younger ones earlier on. So it's that transition period. But whether they can get it right uh, by you know July, June, July next year remains to be seen. Okay, right. Yeah, That's even uh, Manuel Neuer is looking a bit dodgy. He was yeah. at fault for one of well, the goals. Exactly, and 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 Spain, you... Spain's defeat, arguably down to the gear again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Just like right. to mention Nabry's goal, Nabry's back heel, well, that the was goal of the week. Yeah, bit yeah. special. Though. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, that's your lot with international football. We're off for a quick break. When we return, we'll start previewing the EPL weekend for you. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. This is On the Ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Bob Holmes, Craig Marias, and Kishnan here as we take a look at Match Week 5 in the English Premier League. Leicester City versus Aston Villa. Uh, um, is Sorry, I've started with the wrong game. Let's start with Chelsea versus Southampton. Saturday, 10pm kickoff. Um, yeah, it's a big game for Frank Lampard. They went into the break, Chelsea, on a high with a 4-0 thumping of Crystal Palace. The two Germans we mentioned did all right, Bob Holmes, in, in the international break. Is the pressure on? Frank Lampard, you think? Yes, it is. Uh, Inevitably so, after spending so much money. Um, He had more or less a free ride last year, didn't he? Um, With uh, not being able to sign players in the previous window and and all that sort of thing. Um, But uh, he's got it now and he's got even more of a problem uh, because he's got more of them fit. Pulisic and Zayek are finally fit after uh, lengthy absences. So he's got two more players, attackers, to, uh, to try to fit into his squad. So we'll see, inevitably see, yet more experimentation. So it'll be fascinating to see the lineup and what changes he makes and what happens. And, uh, but the <laughs> sod's law for, for poor old Frank, his goalkeeper's injured. I mean, can you imagine after the after the all the saga with Kepa and putting in Caballero, and then they go and get a a guy who looked reasonable in his debut, but he's injured and he's extremely doubtful. So, so uh, no pressure who, on Kepa this weekend. Eh? <laughs> well, it looks like Kepa will get the nod because uh, he did play for Spain in one of the uh, um one of the games kept a clean sheet uh, and did well. okay yeah uh, he, he far better than he played for chelsea so i guess uh, he, we could well see him and if he plays a blinder uh, does he keep his place 
yeah. I wonder. <laughs> but seriously, this is a, this is going to be a good test because um, Chelsea still haven't really sorted out their defence. Mm. And although uh, Thiago Silva looked looked better in his second game, uh, much better than his first game, um, they're not that solid there. And uh, Southampton have got the players to trouble them. I mean, Danny Ings. He uh, came through the international break, not having exerted himself, only playing one game, uh, but scoring. So that'll do his confidence, the world of good. So uh, they won't be taking Southampton lightly. Mm. Um, but uh, really, with all the players he's got to choose from, Chelsea should win this. They, they should. And the Saints will be without Stuart Armstrong, Craig Marias. He tested positive for COVID-19. So... Because of that, uh, Kieran Tierney of Arsenal had to uh, self-isolate as well. Yeah, I mean, you've got all that playing off in the background. And then the Premier League managers need to be thinking, we need points here. Southampton have been 50-50. I mean, what do you think about them this season? Because they, they were going good towards the end of last season, weren't they? Yeah, um, I, I, I like them. I think I think with Southampton under Hassan Hultor, um, you know, they are a changed team. Um, they play good football, but sometimes, you know, they, they need to kind of pick their battles. And I think they saw that against Spurs mm. uh, where, you know, they, they were doing all right. But, you know, with a high defence, a high line defence, you know, they, they can easily get exposed. Um, I think what, I mean, I'm surprised um, Hassan Hassan didn't, didn't realise it then. But, um, you know, you've got to pick your battles against certain teams and you can play that way. That's fine. Um, against teams that are sitting back. But when you have, you know, players like, like so Son and Kane, you know, you, you kind of just got to drop back a little bit, consolidate, make it make it a little bit harder. So I think uh, it was a harsh lesson that. But I, I don't worry about Southampton at all. You know, I think they've got good players, good manager, good identity about them. Um, and, I, and I don't think this is going to be an easy game for Chelsea. And I mean, you can talk about the big money that, that they've, they've spent, um, the stars that they've got in their squad. Um, like Like Bob said, you know, the core of that defence is still a worry for me. I don't think... Uh, I mean, Thiago Silva doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence. Uh, Christensen doesn't. Rudiger, obviously, was linked with a move away. Tomori was linked with a move away. Um, I think, from what I've read, Tomori might even start this match um, uh, alongside Silva. Um, but, and, and he hasn't had a lot of football, if any, mm. uh, this season. And uh, I just think with Southampton's attacking three, you know, Che Adams is there. He doesn't really get the goals. But he gives you, he's a handful. Yeah. He moves you around a lot. And I, and I don't think Thiago Silva would like to face someone like that. You know, okay. uh, you know a player that's running into the channels, pulling you here, pulling you there, getting physical with you um, at 35, 36 or whatever he is. You know, I don't think that's what he needs at that stage of his career. Um, I think Southampton uh, could pose a problem here for Chelsea. I really do. Oh, um, I'm smelling a big shout there from Chris. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you now. I'm telling you now. I'm not going to come out and say it just yet, uh, but I don't think it'll be an easy game for Chelsea this. It's Chelsea Southampton Saturday, 10 p.m. kickoff. Newcastle United take on Man United. It's a 3 a.m. game Sunday morning. It's pay per view in the UK, which is another whole new kettle of fish, which we, we yes. won't touch on just now, but we'll, we'll try and preview the game. Um, Keish Allenson Maximum extended his contract in midweek. He's going to relish running against Harry Maguire, isn't he? You remember what happened, Ross, the last time Newcastle offered someone a six-year contract? 
Rashford pushed up front and uh, maybe someone like Dan James coming in on the left or, mm. or maybe even Donny van der Beek, you know, if Bruno's eligible to play. Actually, this, those uh, are probably the only options Ole has. <laughs> it's either that yeah. or that, really. Well, he's, got, he's well, still got Mason Greenwood as well. Um, don't forget, who, who's naturally a striker. Uh, and then you can bring someone out on the right. Um, so there are a few variations of it, but either way, I, I still feel that, um, you know, Donny van der Beek will be involved in, in some capacity. Um, you would hope so. You would yeah, hope yeah. so. You, you, but I, I think unless unless this uh, there's a turnaround, I wouldn't be surprised to see Pochettino installed before Christmas. I think honestly, I think a lot of a lot of football fans have that it, sort of half their mind also feels like that. that's keeping you going, isn't it, it you it, United it, fans? Well, it's it, they're one whooping away, right? And and this weekend, yeah. if, you're, if you're saying Maxima and you're thinking, right, I'm I'm having a go here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if there's another hiding like that, like uh, the Spurs hiding, then uh, yeah, he's, I, his Solskjaer's in deep trouble. Bob, if Man United loses, they get the hiding. <laughs> <laughs> Newcastle Man United, then, is a Sunday 3 a.m. kickoff. Uh, we offer a short break. Stick with us. Back with more right after this. We wondered if you'd make a difference. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Lovely football, speed of that little passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Bob Holmes, Kishnan, and Craig Marias here. You can tweet at BFM Radio. You can also follow us on social media. Uh, it's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And you know what? We have a YouTube channel up and running. It is TFIF on video. Do check it out. Right, on with our Match Week 5 previews. And Tottenham versus West Ham is a Sunday 11.30pm kickoff. Um, coming to you first, Craig Marias, a lot of talk about Gareth Bale, a lot of uh, videos on social media this week about him in training and stuff. Uh, it's all set for him to make his second debut this weekend. Yeah, um, Jose did say, you know, wait for Gareth Bale uh, until after the international break. And, you know, the clips that Spurs have released, you know, he looks like he's in good form. It's either that or Joe Hart has really declined as a goalkeeper. Um, so you, you take your pick. Um, but no, it, it's good. And, it, um, you know, when that signing was made, everyone was in awe. There is still something about him. He's still a good player. Um, we just never got given a chance at Real Madrid. Played well when he did. Um, but now he's got something to prove, you know, I think not only to, um, to, to Real Madrid, but to everyone out there, you know, to, mm. to really say, look, I'm still the same Gareth Bale that was in the Premier League mm. eight, seven, eight years ago. Um, and, you know, I, I'm still worth, you know, another shot in the Premier League. Um, it, it's just exciting times for Spurs because uh, you've got, you got Son Heung-min in, in absolutely fantastic form as well. So he'll be on one Son side. Form, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you'd expect Gareth Bale to be on the other. Um, but, you know, Lucas Moore has been playing well as well. So it's a real dilemma, a good dilemma for Jose to have. Um, do, you reckon La- Lamella, do you reckon Lamella's recovered from that massive blow he got from Martial yet? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I heard he's still a doubt. So uh, was he late, late fitness test? Uh, is what what they say from, from Spurs. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, it looks like Spurs have have, have finally um, got it sorted. It seems that way. 
Um, if, if we go on the last uh, last few matches, they did get off to a rocky start, but looks like Jose's um, somehow made them play a real attacking football. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's take this a little further, Bob Holmes, and let me ask you, is there a title challenge this season in this Jose Mourinho <laughs> powered Tottenham Hotspur? Well, uh, it's going to take Liverpool to implode, I think, and Man City to really not get it together at all. And then there could be. But uh, I, th- I still think it'll be a two-horse race for the title. But the other two places in the top four, I think, are up for grabs. And um, Spurs have, have uh, suddenly, after a, a diabolical start when they lost to Everton, they um they've turned it around and signing bail is quite a coup and you look at that front three if they're going to play as a front three bail kane and son now that is as good as anybody's in the world yeah that is that is absolute top draw if they're all fit and firing i mean obviously with gareth bale there's a big question mark about the fitness but the potential is there. Mm. And uh, Jose is even getting a tune out of Ndombele now. So things are looking up for Spurs. And if they can stay fit and they can stay free of the virus and all the rest of it, uh, they could be a force and they could well be in the mix for the top four. I think title, no, I wouldn't go that far. All right. But um, definite top four material. Okay, well, Tottenham's opponents, West Ham, are no pushovers. They've been in good form recently, mainly because David Moyes hasn't been on the touchline. Well, he's back this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Uh, Kano's son. (laughs) (laughs) But what do you reckon, Keish? Can can the Hammers do it? I mean, surprising, the last two results, that thrashing of Wolves. I mean, impressive wins as well. Yeah, at, at this point, I don't think we can look at the Premier League. I don't think we can look at any team and say what someone can do and what they can't do. Because honestly, the way West Ham performed against Leicester just completely caught the Leicester side off guard. Um, and, and this was, you know, coming a week after Leicester had just smashed like five goals past Manchester City. So it's all a bit topsy and turvy at the moment. Um, and and the, I think a lot of it will depend on who Spurs have on the pitch for this game because obviously there's a lot of issues with with some of the the guys that 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 went on international duty Harry Kane is reportedly you know complaining of muscle fatigue and and the, the, how Harry Kane has been absolutely crucial to Spurs' run of form under Jose Mourinho just the 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 way he has been contributing for players like Son I was looking at a bit of stats the other day the the, the, cut, the kind of link up that exists between Harry Kane and Son is topping most charts when 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 you look at combination play between two players in the Premier League, and and it a lot of it will depend on if Harry Kane starts because if if Harry Kane is fully fit and he starts, then I, I I think Spurs have have more than enough to be able to to dispatch West Ham. But I know this is saying a lot, but if Harry Kane isn't fit and he's he has to be dropped, I think he is so crucial to Jose Mourinho's style of play that if he doesn't feature in the game, I think Spurs take a huge uh, you know, a beating in terms of uh, not having that that option of creativity and that and that option up front, and, and then that could be a something that West Ham will look, look to exploit. All right. Well, um, Arthur Masuaku should be fine to face Spurs, and West Ham have brought in Craig Dawson 
from Watford on loan as well. He could be in line to make his debut. Tottenham versus West Ham is an 11.30 p.m. kickoff on Sunday. Leicester they're City... To, they're also about to sign Ben Rama, don't forget, right? Yeah, 30 million. Yeah. That, that, now, he's a great player. When that happens, yeah. we'll, we will definitely discuss that. But for now, we move on to a Midlands derby here. Leicester City against Aston Villa, Craig Marias. Monday, 2.15 AM kick off this one. Leicester coming off the back of a disappointing 3-0 loss. Uh, let's start with them. What, what's what's Rogers got right and wrong this season for you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's so hard to tell. Um, you know, it, it's been the craziest start to the Premier League. Uh, you know, you thought Leicester had it all figured out, um, you know, going playing Man City and, and winning so emphatically. Um, and, and then, you know, like you said, you know, then you go play West Ham and you get trumps like that. Um, and I think Brendan Rodgers uh, is at that stage and, and, and he must have watched that game, you know, many a time over and, and thinking, what have we done wrong? What have we done differently? But what, what the difference was, was that they got hit on the counter-attack bad um, uh, by West Ham. And, and with the plays and with the plays that West Ham have, you know, your Jared Bowens and, you know, Mikhail Antonio's. Uh, you know, running at you, you know, they, you know, when they're attacking in full flight, you know, it's not going to be easy for any defender. So I think that's something that, uh, um, you know, Leicester really struggled with um, the pace, the power that, that West Ham brought to the counter-attack and transition, the quick transitions, uh, getting the ball straight to, to someone like Bowen to carry it up, um, up the field. Um, so I think, you know, in that, that respect, um, I, I think Leicester got caught cold. So that's something they'll have, they'll have to look at. Um, and, and this is going to be very similar, man. This is going to be a good test for them because this is exactly how Le- uh, Aston Villa are going to play. Yeah. You know, with, with Ollie Watkins, with, with Grealish, you know, coming at you. Um, you know, John, John McGinn is a very clever player. And, and if they can get the ball up to, to these two up there, don't forget they've got Ross Barkley as well, who can really carry the ball with pace as well. Um, Villa are going to, you know, if they play the same way that they did against Liverpool, we saw how they attacked Liverpool um, in that same kind of kind of way that West Ham did um, to, to to Leicester, there could be problems here. Um, I'm actually going to go for an upset here. Uh, I'm going to go for Aston Villa win. I, I think they're going to follow up their their victory against Liverpool with a win uh, against Leicester. Yeah, Keish, um, they're on a hundred percent record. They okay, they played a game less. They started later, but we we've we've already highlighted the fact that they've signed well in the window. Aston Villa, they brought in quality players who can make an impact and and they have and of course Jack Grealish is is loving it at the moment isn't he I think towards the tail end of last season as well I remember us talking about the fact that if Villa can stay up then they will really build on this because they've got really good players when you've got players like Jack Grealish when you've got Tyron Means Mings at the back you, you you look at the kind of flair that they have in other parts of the pitch as well and you think to yourself it's it's not a bad side you know this is yeah. a side that that not not just stays up in the Premier League, but this is also a side that can cause problems to others. And 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 they definitely, once they secured the survival, they went out there and they recruited absolutely well. Like, bring, Ollie Watkins has been terrific uh, for, for them. Just the, the amount of pace that he gives them up front, he gives them a bit of an edge in the final third as well, something that they struggled with last season. And and I think that the, the trump on the card is bringing in someone like Ross Barkley, who mm. completely changes not just the dimension of your midfield, but com- 
completely changes the way Jack Grealish operates as well. Because now he's got this swagger partner alongside him. Tell you what, you know, Ross Barkley surprised me. He's a better tackler than I actually ever imagined. He actually puts a yeah. lot into that <laughs> midfield, right? Yeah, he, he works really hard as well, drops deep, yeah. um, helps out the defence when he needs to. And he's got that, that capacity to play the long diagonal balls as well. And this is where the combination that he that, that, that he had with Jack Grealish in the game against Liverpool completely destroyed players like Trent Alexander-Arnold in that game. And, and, and I think the way that they've recruited, the morale that they have at the moment and the kind of football that they're playing, um, I, you know, Villa are definitely good value for a win here. Yeah, I think I think just touching on that Grealish um, thing, you know, the, the positional change, you know, bringing yeah. someone like Ross Barkley yeah. in, it, it manages that to put, really push helps. Jack Grealish further up the mm. field and, yeah. and he can do a lot more damage there. I think last season, uh, we saw a lot of Jack Grealish, you know, you know, in, uh, dropping really deep to collect the outside ball. Outside his box. Left back, outside of his box, left back areas. And, and that's not where you want Jack Grealish. He's good enough to do anything. But, you know, he's going to do most of his damage further up the field. And now, you know, you can kind of stay, almost stay up there, trust his midfielders to go back, pick up the ball, collect it, and, and, and get it up to him and Watkins. So it's a big, big change for Villa and the way they play. And, it, and it's so effective, as we saw last time out. All right, brilliant. You should tell Gareth Southgate that where Jack Grealish <laughs> would play. Is Gareth Southgate early Gwyneth Solskjaer? That's for another show. <laughs> uh, all right, we, we go for another break. Stick with us. The two biggest games of the weekend next. A two-goal lead, a picture for goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. That's it. It's all over. This is a big win. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Back with Bob. Back with Keish. Back with Craig. Looking at Man City versus Arsenal. We heard Mikel Arteta uh, kick off the show talking about Arsenal's new signing, Thomas Partey. Um, He's set to make his debut here, Bob Holmes. He's a big signing. I mean, Arteta's been after him for, for a long time. Pressure is expected to, to make a difference immediately. Uh, yeah, the pressure's on him, but uh, I think he looks like the kind of guy that can handle it. And I, I wonder if uh, City uh, missed a trick here. Uh, I wonder if they should have got him, actually, because they need a, a physical presence. I mean, uh, in midfield. Um, that's one of their weaknesses. They've got quite a few, actually. Um, but someone like that, who's absolutely at his peak, he's 26, I believe. He's not a kid anymore, but he's certainly got a, uh, several years left in him at his best. So uh, for what was not a huge amount, um, 50 or 60 million, wasn't it? Relatively modest amount for a player of his caliber. Um, he, he could be the match winner. Or, or the match influencer here. Um, fascinating clash. But um, what I'd like to say, uh, I was going to say before we got to this game, we're talking about a list of fascinating fixtures this weekend. And it's, it's all because the Premier League is open to 20 clubs <laughs> and not a closed shop, which those owners of Manchester United and Liverpool wanted to make it. I'd just like to make that point. We can, maybe there's not enough time to discuss that issue, but I'm glad it was rejected because this is fascinating. Every single fixture is, is a, 
we, we it's hard to call. Yeah. They, you know, it's an open tournament, which is exactly what you want. And I'm sure the world's viewers, not just in the UK, but here in Malaysia, everywhere, they'll be watching these games and thinking, wow, this doesn't happen anywhere else. You know, everybody is gung-ho and going for it. And that's a, that's a tribute to the openness of the league. Well said, Bob Holmes. I, I read a funny tweet. I got to talk, talk about it regarding Project Big Picture. Somebody tweeted, hang on a sec. Liverpool and Man United lost a combined 13-3 at the weekend. They want to break away. <laughs> they should be playing the championship, <laughs> which I thought was very, very funny. Uh, all right, yeah. let's, let's look at Man City, Keish. Um, question mark maybe over Kevin De Bruyne because he went off and didn't take part in Belgium's second game. Um, I, I don't know if, if they don't have De Bruyne. It's massive. Yeah, This is master versus pupil in Pep versus Mikel. Yeah, not having De Bruyne would be a massive, massive blow. This is a massive one for City because of, of how they went into the international break. There was that defeat against Leicester. And, and, and I remember talking to a few friends after that, um, saying that, okay, next week, against Leeds United, you know, it, it, it could be a real tricky fixture. And a vast majority of them just said, you know, usually when a Pep Guardiola side gets trashed the way they did against Leicester, they respond with this magnanimous performance that just, you know, captivates the entire uh, uh, world by, by scoring seven, eight goals in a game or something along that line. But after losing to Leicester, um, I thought they struggled against Leeds. Uh, it, it's... Full credit given to Marcelo Bielsa and Leeds for playing the way they did, for playing with the intensity that they did. Uh, but but that game, City lacked ideas, just mm -hmm. genuinely lacked ideas in the final third. And it's two games now that we've seen City sort of stutter. And what's even more important, what's even more palpable is the fact that in the aftermath of, this, of each of these last two games, you've seen a Guardiola that generally looked deflated in the post-match press conference. Yeah. And we're just four games into the season, Ross. It's going to be a long, long season for Pep Guardiola. Um, and, and it doesn't get any easier with Arsenal because I think this Arsenal side with Thomas Partey have more than enough to cause them problems this weekend. All right. Well, Sergio Aguero apparently is back in training, but he it's too early for him. Uh, Raheem Sterling didn't take part in the international break, so he may be back. Now, Craig, Mikel Arteta had the better of Pep in the FA Cup semi-final last season. We saw a long ball tactic that Arsenal employed to great effect. I expect that it'll be more of the same, right? Yeah, uh, I, I fancy an upset here as well. Um, I, I think Arsenal have, have looked fantastic, uh, carrying on the form from uh, you know the tail end of last season. Um, and under Arteta, they are playing in a certain way which suits the characteristics of of you know, the individuals that they bought. I'm still, the, the only thing that worries me about Arsenal is their insistence on, on playing out from the back, which I still don't think um, that, the, you know, the players are very comfortable. If you could just tweak that and say, look, against City Press, you know, maybe maybe we don't do this, we don't play this way, um, then then I think they'll be all right, you know. And, and like you said, you know, just go go for the long ball straight, straight away. But... Um, I think they've recruited really well. Uh, I think, obviously, you know, keeping Aubameyang was was key to to whatever um, that Arteta was going to do. But like you say, you know, they they followed that up with the signing of Partey. Uh, you know, we've been crying out for that kind of midfielder yeah. for Arsenal 
for a long time. He's gone out, he's sorted it. Um, unlike, you know, Winger before him, unlike Emery before him, you know, failed to really, you know, nail down that, you know, powerful midfielder. Um, so, so I think he, he's done really well in the recruitment phase. I think, you know, in Lacazette is firing, um, and Ketia is scoring goals as well. Um, I think the, the load signing of Ceballos is, is, is massive and key for them. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I don't see any reason why Arsenal can't be positive about this and, and really have a go at City because, you know, I, I just feel that the confidence that's, that's in that dressing room right now, um, you know, gives, gives everyone the belief that, hey, look, we can actually go out and do this. And, All right. and against a shaken City as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, will the citizens get kick off their title charge or will it be party time for Arsenal? <laughs> it is a Sunday, half past midnight kickoff, Man City versus Arsenal. On to the Merseyside derby we go. Everton versus Liverpool is a Saturday, Saturday dinner time kickoff for us here in Malaysia, 7 30 pm. Um, I, I can't remember, Bob Holmes, the last time a Merseyside derby has been so anticipated by by the blue half of Liverpool. I mean, they sit top of the table, and yet the visitors, Liverpool, visit as current champions. And you would say they're not favourites for the game. Oh, they are favourites. Look at the bookies, uh, bookies odds. They're still favourites. But I agree, the, it's not been like this for a very long time. It's 10 years since Everton won this fixture. And that was when Liverpool were almost uh, going out of business uh, in complete disarray and practically bankrupt. Uh, I think a certain Roy Hodgson was uh, trying to manage them at the time. So that might explain that. But um, a lot has been said that this is the moment for Everton and they do fancy it. Um, they've got the players to trouble Everton. I'm looking forward to seeing Calvert-Lewin up against uh, Virgil van Dijk. Uh, I think that could be uh, a, an absolute cracking uh, private contest in the middle of the overall picture. But just as it's a good time for Everton, I think this is a good time for Liverpool to bounce back. And I think that Jurgen Klopp didn't have the players in for training the next morning. All he could do was send a WhatsApp message to everybody about the disaster of the 7-2 game at Villa. But uh, so he's not been able to sort of have them and galvanize them and get the spirit up. But I think playing Everton, the local derby, even the, the foreign players will be well aware of the importance of this fixture. And Everton are very, very much up for it. So I think this will benefit Liverpool. There's no chance of any complacency creeping in here. I think they were complacent against Aston Villa. And I think they have been in other fixtures this season, Leeds against Leeds, certainly. And, but I think it's, this will decide whether the Villa game was an aberration or whether there's a deeper malaise in the Liverpool side that, that has finally been sussed, I think, i.e. the high line. And if you put a long ball over the heads of the fullbacks, uh, they're in a bit of trouble. Um, basically, that's what's happened. Mm. Um, but I think Liverpool, no. You'll see the, the real Liverpool here. Their pride was hurt by that. And I think that they'll come storming back. So I'm, I still think Liverpool will win this. But it's not to say Everton are a bad side. I think Everton are also contenders for the top four. 
All right. Well, uh, it's been a week of celebrations for Liverpool. Five years of Klopp, ten years of SF, FSG, apparently. So, uh, uh, good for them. Will they be celebrating, though, Keish? Um, they, they do have Thiago Alcantara back and available. And, and wow, what, what a player to be able to slot into this kind of game, eh? Yeah, and, and I think having someone like Thiago Alcantara was, is, is like honestly one of the most important things for Liverpool this season because you, you look at the way Lee, Leeds United completely went at them on match day one. Now, I think that result and the way Leeds played in that game had a significant influence on the way Aston Villa decided to go about their game against Liverpool because Leeds exactly showed the entire world that if, if you hit Liverpool at the right spots, you can make them pay. And that's exactly what Villa did. You know, they didn't hold back. They completely pressed uh, 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 Liverpool at all the right areas and, and they forced them into making the kind of mistakes. The thing is, Liverpool have, have got this fixed system under Jurgen Klopp and it's a brilliant system. It's worked for them year in, year out over the last three years. It's just that it comes to a point where people start to figure you out. And it's good that now that teams are starting to figure them out, that they've got a wild card in the form of Thiago, who slots into that midfield and complete. He's, he's, he is super different to every single midfielder that they have. And he gives them an additional bit of dimension that could very well determine the outcome of this game because no one exactly knows how or, or the kind of role that he's going to play under the yeah. club. All everyone knows is that they watched that 45 minutes cameo against Chelsea. But besides that, no one has an idea. So he could come into this game if he's fully fit and completely dictate the, the tempo of the match from the get-go and make life difficult for Everton. All right. Well, the Toffees are without a win in 19 league meetings with Liverpool. But, Craig Marias, this Everton are hoping to win their opening five league matches for the first time since 1938. Plus, they've got James Rodriguez, who's got beautiful hair. He does, but he <laughs> might also suffer from a bit of jet lag. Uh, jet lag? <laughs> jet lag. Uh, with, uh, with all the traveling that he has to do. Um, so we're still not sure how fit he's going to be or how, you know, how his body's going to react to that. Um, and I think that's, that's a little bit crucial for, for Everton and the way they're playing. I don't think they have any, anyone to come in to kind of, kind of replace the kind of flair that he brings to that Everton side, the vision uh, that he brings. Um, I, I, you know, I like Everton. I think they've done really well. Fantastic start to the season. Great manager. Um, made some really good signings, have definitely improved that squad. Um, but for me, um, I, I just think we're going to get a response from Liverpool this weekend. Yeah. I, I really do. Um, if there's ever a game that they're going to respond to and say, hey, look, you know, whatever happened last time out was a fluke. Um, you know, we're, we're not, you know, we're nowhere near that bad. Um, this is it. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing, nothing better. Everton fans had a great two weeks laughing, um, you know, being top of the table, laughing at, you know, their rivals, 7-2 drubbing um, at Aston Villa. But I think it ends tomorrow. I, I really do. I, I can't see. I, I think it'll be a tough game, but I, I just think Liverpool will have a bit too much about them, regardless if, you know, Mane's fit or, or anything. I just think it, it's going to be a Liverpool day. Okay, it's a 7.30pm kickoff. What a weekend. We didn't even have time to talk about the A23 derby. Crystal Palace versus Brighton is a Sunday 9pm game. Sheffield United play Fulham on Sunday at 7pm. Uh, that's it for now. I need to say thanks to the guys. Many thanks, Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody, and enjoy the football. Uh, thank you, Kishnan. Cheers, guys. And thanks, Craig Marias.
Thank you very much. Don't leave your sofas on Saturday evening. It's I know. full of football. <laughs> that and IPL, you've got double bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the weekend. Back on Monday. Bye now. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.